Hello, I'm Avery or Hazel or Kylie. You can just pick one. I don't care. Hello, I am Lily. And welcome to the From the Closet podcast. Today we are covering Captain Marvel. Um, obviously, this podcast will contain spoilers for said movie. It's likely also going to contain spoilers for several other Marvel movies that took place before it. And I'm not going to spoil Agent Carter, but I am going to briefly mention Agent Carter. So just be wary of that. Well, um, so obviously, if you'd like to avoid the spoilers, there will be a link in the description below to the Just Watch page for this movie, which itself will have links to every place you can rent, purchase, or stream said movie, uh, with price comparisons for renting and purchasing. For us here in the U.S., it is available for streaming on Disney+. Plus. Also in the description, you will find a link to our Patreon, where you can vote on future episodes of this show, as well as get access to episodes before they release, as well as early access to episodes of our sister show, Off the Shelf, which is about books. Speaking of future episodes, you can join us next week for Inception and Into the Woods, and you can join us next month for Avengers Endgame, which ironically takes place in October 2023. Um, huh. Well, that's ironic. Yeah. Uh, it, it would have been really, really nice if, like, we, if the dates lined up perfectly where we were covering Endgame in October, but it didn't pan out that way. <laughs> of course, we weren't no, actively planning on that to be the case. It, it was, it, it's just a coincidence that it was this close. Uh, but regardless, also in the description below, you will find a link to Anchor.fm, which is now Spotify for podcasters. Uh, which itself will have links to every platform this podcast is on, as well as links to our Instagram and Twitter, where you can be notified when we release new episodes. But with all that being said, please get out of here if you would like to avoid spoilers, because we are going to start discussing the movie now. So, it is impossible to have a discussion on this movie, it feels like, without first talking about the whole controversy with Brie Larson before this movie released. So, I'm going to talk about what Brie Larson has stated her goal was when she was, like, making these, like, speeches and all that other shit. She was trying to get more seats at the table when it comes to, like, movie, movie reviewers and movie critics. And she has... On record, like, this is actual recorded footage of her saying this. She has said that her message did not come out the way she intended. And I feel like that's pretty obvious when she had to say multiple times, I don't hate white guys. Like, I feel like if you're reaching a point where you have to say that, you have slipped up and you have accidentally said something racist and sexist. And yeah, she was basically implying that white male reviewers tend to all have, like, the same opinions, and that's just not true. Like, I, I think there are white men who can watch this movie and relate to it. Um, even, yeah. it even though the movie's not about them. Like, there are characters that people can relate to even if they don't look like them. Like, I related to everything, everywhere, all at once. And the main characters of that movie are Asian women. 
and I relate to Captain America, and he's a white dude. <laughs> I'm a trans. I, I I am a white trans woman who's bisexual. I don't look or act the way a lot of these characters do, but I can still relate to their struggles. That's how stories work. And I know people have used this argument to try to argue against representation in film, and I completely disagree with that argument um, in that context. Because, like, no, we should absolutely be having representation in film, not just in acting, but, like, in like the creative processes too, like in direction, in production, writing, like we need voices to be heard in every aspect of the film industry. And that does include film criticism, which is what Brie Larson was trying to get at. Now, at the same time, you have the, so you have the side of people who are angry that female characters are taking the spotlight in the MCU, and those people are grifters trying to capitalize on the culture war. All right, female characters have always been prominent in comics. Like a lot of the, a lot of the characters people are complaining about appearing in the MCU now existed in the comics long before any of these people were even born. <laughs> like. She-Hulk is a really old character, just as one example. She has been in comics for so long. And she's been fourth wall breaking for longer than Deadpool. So, like, the people who complained about that are just ridiculous. And wrong. <laughs> yeah, and wrong. Um, so, like, I don't know why there's this perception that the people who are angry are comic book fans... But I think that needs to stop, too. Because comic book fans recognize that strong female characters have always been prominent. And in large part, that's thanks to Stan Lee. Alright, because Stan Lee always was, like, trying to be a champion for diversity in comics. Like, he literally created the X-Men to show why even people who are different to who you are deserve love and compassion. That was his goal. And I feel like the X-Men stories do a good job of communicating that. Though, um, so, like, because of that, this movie does, is an interesting movie, good movie, I mean, to, um, have, um, the intro. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a minute. So, like, people will hear this yeah. argument and they'll say, well, people have a problem with uh, Brie Larson because she's a feminist. Or they'll say Captain Marvel. And I'm like, no, that's not why. It's because Brie Larson actually said things that are racist and sexist. She's gone back on those things. She's recognized where she went wrong. But you can't deny that she fucking set them and like there are people who actively try to do that and if you want to argue that comic book fans don't like feminists agent carter she was very clearly a feminist and she is so well loved by the fandom that marvel studios brought her back 
and made her a superhero, where she has appeared in both What If and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And she is very likely to appear again in the future. As far as when, I don't know, but... Oh I my mean, god, wait, you it's don't work at Marvel? No, of course I don't work at Marvel. But yeah, like, female characters have been loved in the MCU thus far. People tend to really only have a problem with Captain Marvel. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone complain about Black Widow, or Nebula, or Gamora, or Wasp, or uh, Shuri, or Okoye. Although, actually, I have heard some people complain about Shuri, but that was only after she became Black Panther. Wait, what? Worry about that later. Okay. Okay, so with that out of the way, the other thing people complain about with this movie, and I do think it is a fair complaint, is the Tesseract. The Tesseract, honestly has been overused to the point where, like, I've heard people say they wish that Captain Marvel, like, like, they, I've heard people say that they wish this whole thing used the Power Stone instead of the Tesseract. Um, now, personally, I don't think the Power Stone would work, because I think there's a whole story thread about how, like, the planet that, Star-Lord gets the Power Stone on uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, the water levels on that planet only allow for the Power Stone to be accessible in, like, a very small window once every 40 years. Um, so if he was able to get the Power Stone in 2014 without, without it being underwater it would not have been possible for Captain Marvel to take place in 1995 and have her get her powers from the Power Stone. It just wouldn't make sense. So, yeah, I can, I can understand it getting tiring to continuously see the Tesseract over and over and over again, but it's also where it dies. Like, this is the last time we see the Tesseract um, in anything other than what if, I guess. And I'm, I don't even remember, remember if we actually see the Tesseract in What If. I mean, we see the Tesseract in a few things. Okay, I, I think actually we do see it in Loki, but... I yeah. mean, in the context of Loki, like, we're dealing with an alternate universe. Same for What If. It's just, like, in the main universe, Tesseract's gone, and it's never coming back. Don't you see an endgame? You know, with the time travel shenanigans? I mean, you see the Space Stone, but you don't see the... Actually. Okay. Yeah, like... Wait. Well, okay, you do see the Tesseract, but it's, like, Avengers 1. So... Yeah, that's what I thought. Now, like, I... now, with that, people have naturally become confused about the timeline of the Tesseract, and I think that's fair if you've only watched the movies in release order... Or just whatever order was convenient for you. Um, 
and you haven't actually watched these movies in chronological order, um, which, like, you know, obviously that's what you should do if you're re-watching the movies, is watch them in chronological order, but when it comes to your first viewing, release order is always better, but for something like the Tesseract, it does get confusing, so allow me to break things down and explain shit. So, at some point, we know that, like, the six singularities that created the Marvel Universe eventually collapsed into Infinity Stones, and one of them was the Space Stone. And the Space Stone formed the Tesseract around itself to protect itself. Somehow, Asgard gets a hold of it. If I had to guess, it was entrusted them to them by uh, Omnipotent City. I'm not going to explain that further. If you've seen Thor Love and Thunder, you know what Omnipotent City is. Uh, but, presumably, Asgard has it until 965 AD, where they leave it on Earth. As far as why, we don't know. But they leave it in Norway. It remains in Norway until 1942, when the Red Skull discovers it in Captain America the First Avenger. And then the events of that movie play out, and it concludes with the Tesseract plunging it into the ocean. Now, later on, in The Avengers, Fury tells Captain America that Howard Stark fished the Tesseract out of the ocean in 1945. Alright, so he has it at the time of the Agent Carter one-shot and the Agent Carter TV show. He has the Tesseract. He then... He and Peggy will then found S.H.I.E.L.D. And S.H.I.E.L.D. will obviously have possession of the Tesseract because, like, Howard Stark is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then we learn in this movie that in the, 19, in the late 80s, S.H.I.E.L.D. hands the Tesseract over to Wendy Lawson, who we now know as Marvell, but they didn't know that at the time, uh to do work on the Pegasus project. And Marvell places it on board her secret laboratory, which is in orbit, and it remains there until the events of this movie actually play out, which is in 1995, because they talk about Carol Danvers' crash happening in, happening in 89, and the events of the movie itself being six years later. So it's 1995. Um, so, S.H.I.E.L.D. recovers the Tesseract on board Marvel's laboratory, Goose the Flurkin eats it, and then in the post credit scene, regurgitates it in Nick Fury's office. So it is back in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s possession at this point. It remains in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s possession until 2012, when Loki steals it in the Avengers. The Avengers then recover the Tesseract, and return it back to Nick Fury, who then gives it to Thor to take back to Asgard, where it then resides in Odin's treasure room until Thor Ragnarok, where Loki steals it again. And then, like, Thanos coerces it out of him, kills him, and then, like, crushes it, puts the Space Stone in the gauntlet, and Infinity War happens, and blah blah blah. That's the story of the Tesseract. So now the Tesseract no more is now just the Space Stone. 
Correct. Can the space bo space stone make a new tesseract to possibly, protect itself again? But possibly, but it's not going to happen. This is also the space stone dead. You'll find out when we watch Endgame. Cool. Alright, so, so... We can talk about the movie now? Yeah. So a couple of things I wanted to point out about this movie. We see, like, elements of the time. We learn some interesting things. Fury mm. is a level 3 agent, and Coulson is the new guy. I'm not... A hundred percent sure if Coulson being new in 1995 100% lines up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not 100% certain about that. I... But what I do know is hmm. that when the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. traveled to the 1980s in um, Season 7, Coulson was not an agent. Nobody knew who he was. Yeah, makes sense. So, so I'm going to just let it slide. There might be some contradiction somewhere in there, but I'm not even confident there is one, so who cares? Sure. Yeah, it's also nice to see Coulson again. He had a much smaller role in this movie than I remembered him having, but at least there yeah, were, no, there was a moment that was pretty funny. You know, you're hyping me up for, you know, Coulson moments, and, you know, I have to say, I'm a little bit disappointed. I mean, I remembered his role being much bigger, but I will say, the moment where he calls Fury and he's like, I'm still at Blockbuster, where did everybody go? That oh, moment yeah. is hilarious. I also liked <laughs> when Coulson didn't um, sell Nick Fury out. Yeah. That was a Which really is, cool moment, too. It's definitely one of... Obviously, his character's already been defined at this moment, but... You know, it kind of just affirms his character at this moment, and where he'll go in S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. at the very least. What I think is... Um, what I think is pretty good about this movie is that if you decide to go back and watch the MCU in chronological order, you'll watch this movie before Iron Man. So when Coulson shows up in Iron Man, you're going to be paying more attention to him because you should have seen this character before. Yeah. Also, I like... Um, so, obviously, this Coulson has gone through, you know, training... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Academy, and all of that. Correct. Which, it's now interesting to, like, after watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's interesting to know everything about S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, how they get new recruits, where they train. And the whole leveling system. Because, I mean, yeah, they show a little bit of the leveling system in the Winter Soldier, but they really expand on it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Welcome to level 7. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this movie, Fury is level 3, and I guess we can assume Coulson is level 1. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, he really climbs the ranks. Because it's not that many years from this movie to, like, Iron Man. Right. But it is more than a decade. I mean, going from, like, the newbie recruit to, like, one of the more top-level agents. I mean, definitely something in well, over a decade? Sure. I mean, I guess he's he has, not... You know, he was I'm pretty sure at the six. time of Avengers, he's level 8. So... Oh. I think his yeah, death uh, gave him an, one more level. I'm not sure about that. In fact, I'm pretty sure he skips level 9 entirely. Oh, so it's like two more levels? No, like, I'm pretty oh. sure what happens is he... He remains a level 8, even throughout Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but then Winter Soldier happens, and Nick Fury appoints him Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., which then makes him a level 10. Gotta have to go through his uh, Wikipedia article, Coulson's. I can do that, because yeah. I've seen all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I know everything on that page. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, really nice. Um, but yeah, um, so one other thing I will say about this movie, it has too many of these you-can't-do-it scenes. Like, I get it. I get people are told you can't do it. I've even been told you can't do X, Y, Z. But, like, the movie really hammers that point into the ground. Like, they do it. So much, and it's like, I don't know, maybe trim it down a little bit, guys. We get the point. <laughs> oh my god, it's like Ryan the Last Dragon in Trust. Maybe, yeah. Guys, did you but know yeah. Trust is good? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, there, there was just some fucker driving past my apartment. On a motorcycle being loud as fuck. Clearly compensating for something. Um, oh my god. I had those people on my. Like. Um, loud motorcycles on my road. And it's just always so annoying. Yeah. Like. And it, it, it's clear they're trying to make it louder than it should be. I guess Hate no one deserves some um, good sleep or something. For real. I don't know who's sleeping yeah. at this time, but... Yeah, there was too much of that. Um, also, I've heard some people say that they feel like the 90s references feel a little bit forced. Because, like, oh, they show Blockbuster and Radio Shack and a Game Boy and Street Fighter and a number of other things that, like, I don't even have time to go into. They, they, they showed so many 90s references, it's not even funny. But I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, I really didn't. Like, when you're saying it now, I guess it does seem like a little forced. But at the same time, you know, I watched this movie and I'm just like, I didn't have any problems with it. Forced or not. Yeah, like, 
Now, there, I've heard people be like, oh, how on earth did Brie Larson, uh, like, create a, com like, communications device that can communicate to the Cree, like, light years away, using nothing but, like, a landline phone, a Game Boy, and a couple of wires and some other shit, and it's like... This is a very, very common gag in science fiction. What are what the fuck are you smoking? How I mean, have you seen um, the shit that Howard Stark was is able to pull? The shit. Have that you seen Lilo Fitz... and Stitch? Okay, that's like yeah, you know, the shit that Fitz and Simmons uh, Iron. Um, I can't actually remember his real name. Iron Man is able to pull, and you think. That this is out of place in a Marvel film? You're crazy. Yeah, for real. I mean... <laughs> but, I mean, I brought up Lilo and Stitch because, like, they legit use a microwave to save Stitch's life. <laughs> Although, that was probably in one of the sequels. I can't remember, but who cares? If you've seen the sequels, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you, you might know what I'm talking about, but I'm not certain about that. It's been a while since we watched the, the Lilo and Stitch movies. Well, I mean, it hasn't been that long since Leroy and Stitch, but the others, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, you know, a month, few weeks, that's like a lot of media that we've consumed in that time. It's been like two or three weeks, maybe. At least at the I'll time of recording this. Mm, fair enough. Um... But yeah, that that is just, um, and also the fact that she made uh Col Col uh Fury's um little communicator thing reach like galaxies away. Yeah, I think she said it was like it could reach a range of like three galaxies, which is incredible. But like, it's a pager, which to be fair. Pagers are still used today. And you want to know why? Their signal is more reliable than cell signal. Hmm. Though, you can't do much with a pager, can you? No, but they are still used by, like, safety organizations and shit. But, yeah, like, it... The, the, the signal is more reliable and reaches farther. Um, which is how... I like, mm -hmm. it's how Fury was able to communicate with Coulson. I don't think you'd be able to do that with a cell phone. But yeah, um, I did love the relationship between um, Captain Marvel and Fury in this movie. I thought it was great. I, I love seeing more Fury in these movies. Yeah, it, it, it's always nice to see more Fury. Um, but... There are some things you're going to want to remember. You're definitely going to want to remember Talos and his family. You're also going to want to remember uh, Monica Rambo. She'll be important mm -hmm. later. Her mother won't be, but she will be. Hmm. Um, so this movie has a little bit of a twist. Like halfway through. Yeah, Pretty the twist evil being that and uh, whatever the hell they're not 
Cree evil, not Cree um, trying to survive for their lives. Yeah. Now, Cree being evil isn't much of a twist. If you're, like, if you're an astute viewer, you you would know that the Cree being evil isn't really that much of a twist. For starters, Ronan the Accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. He was a Cree, but he was also a radical. And he's also in this movie. Um, <laughs> so, like, that should be one thing to pick up on. A villain from a previous movie is in this one? These are the bad guys. Duh. But then also there was, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything to do with Inhumans and how the Kree kind of created them. And then there was also the, um, the Kree in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5. Uh, Kasaias, that was his name. Yeah. He was, like, cartoonishly evil. Yeah, he was evil, but he also kind of sucked at it. Yeah. So then we also have, like, Carol in this movie coming across as arrogant. You have lines like saying, the Kree are noble warrior heroes. Like, obviously, if you have to tell people that you are some kind of positive trait, if you have to tell people you're noble warrior heroes, then you're probably not noble warrior heroes. I mean, you know, as Guardians, they're um, a race of uh, noble warriors. I can't imagine, I I don't think they're heroes, but they're noble uh, warriors. Well, it's a little gray, because I mean... Let's not forget everything that Odin and Hela did before Odin decided that he didn't want to anymore. They're certainly warriors. Certainly warriors, for sure. But yeah, um, so, yeah, it's not much of a twist. The real twist is that Captain Marvel is human. I mean, that yeah, is a real though, twist. that, like, um, I mean, uh, they showed that Words. part pretty early. Did they, though? I mean, they're planning little teasers and shit, but the thing is, like, and, and I'm actually kind of surprised you weren't asking about why some of the Cree aren't blue, no, I was wondering. I'm very su- um, very that. surprised you didn't ask about that. Though, I mean, after a certain part of the movie, I'm not actually. No, there was still a few not blue. Yeah. So there is actually a reason for this, even though it is never explained in the MCU itself. Uh, the explanation comes straight from the comics. They're Mm. basically, like, not fully Kree. Like, they're a result of the Kree having kids with other alien species who look like humans. Um, A lot of the kids take on a more human-like appearance. um, And they're Ah. known as Pink Kree. So, I mean, one of the bigger questions I've had about this entire movie is... Who is the um, intelligence... 
the supreme intelligence is basically the AI ruler of the Kree. Oh, it's AI. How yeah. fun. I'm getting Chromicon uh, flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, Chronicom, but worse. So, do we see yeah, the I Kree again? Uh... I cannot think of a time where we've seen the Kree again. Um, although, to I be guess... fair, I have not finished Secret Invasion. Hmm. I guess I should be saying, do we see, um, like, the this Kree plotline? You know, I don't know who is, um... You know, doing this, um, you know, spreading this message, I should be saying, that, um, God, who was the other race that was in this movie? The Scrolls. They will be very important later. Yeah, the Scrolls. So, they're well, spreading the message, scroll, scroll bad, like with a U. kill them. Scroll with a U, by the way. Um. Scroll. It. Yeah, rhymes with hull, like hull of a ship. But uh, anyway, um, pronunciation aside, yeah. The whole idea here is that the scrolls are bad because they don't want to submit to Cree rule, which is dumb. I'm sorry. Like, okay. One of the things I will, like, also criticize this movie for is I don't like mm. the Kree as villains. I don't really find them compelling at all. And I didn't find Yonrog to be a compelling villain either. What do you mean? I mean, there's nothing to them. Their motivations are nothing more than, like, it... I don't really find it any different than, like, say... No, actually, it's probably worse than, like, trying to... It, it, it's probably not good comparing them to the Nazis, because at least the Nazis felt like... Like, at least the Nazis, like, they, them being, like, real-world people, like, they felt like they had a reason, even if... We think those reasons are fucking asinine, bigoted, and stupid. Mm -hmm. The Kree don't seem to have a reason. There's no, there's no way to get into the Kree's head and understand why they're doing the things they're doing. They're just doing them. Is they want the? Um, they want to become threatening. They want to be threatening to other races submit to our rule or this is what's going to happen to you yeah except we don't really get a, any understanding as to why they want this but i mean it's the higher-ups you know higher-ups are being like yeah do this please i guess the higher-ups would be the ai the um, supreme intelligence yeah i mean see it's like the 
Let me just relate it to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a second. You feel like you understand the Chronicoms, right? Like, their whole thing is that their planet was destroyed, and they want Earth to be their home. Um, it, yeah. It makes sense why they're doing the things they're doing. The Kree here, I don't find to be compelling at all, because I can't find a motive for what they're doing. I can't find a motive for why they are conquer like trying to conquer planets. And like their only motive seemingly for wiping out the scrolls is they're resisting. But why do they have anything to resist in the first place is what I can't like I can't figure out. And because of that, I, I feel like this movie's weak. Like, at least with Cassius, as much as I hated Cassius as a villain, we understood his motives because he was, like, trying to, like, he had the whole thing with his father and, like, his brother and everything. Like, you feel like you can understand Cassius a little bit better, better, even if you think he's fucking stupid, which I do. He is fucking stupid. But at least I understand his motives. I mean, I guess the motive here is just trying to win the war. Or at least saying I, that I, you can win the war. I don't understand why the war is happening. That's the thing. I don't understand the Kree's motivations for this war happening in the first place. And, and, and an important thing to realize here, like, just to in this part of the discussion and go on to something else. An important thing to realize here is Talos is not exactly the good guy either. Like he even says as much. He, um, I'm trying to remember the line. He's like, uh, it's something like this is war. My hands are filthy with it too. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Like he's not completely innocent in everything. And, that is going to be a plot line going forward, but Carol and Nick Fury have promised to help try and find the scrolls a new home. And that's going to be a pretty big deal later. So just stay tuned for that, I guess. I mean, through the entire um, MCU, as we know, the... God damn, I forgot I forgot the name. You know, because I just forget random things. The blue people. The Kree? Yeah, the Kree. The Kree has I mean the Kree has just had random motivations and random they just do things. Like yeah, why I do mean, they specifically you know, with... invade Earth to make them humans? Mm. They just did it. Yeah, the the well, their whole thing there was that they were trying to create stronger warriors than what, um, like the Kree themselves were capable of. Um, they did explain that, and then like in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, we aren't dealing with the Kree race specifically, but just Ronan the Accuser, just him, and he's Ooh, bitter about to the fact that, like. He, he, in Guardians of the Galaxy, he was bitter 
about the fact that the war between the Kree and the Zandarians ended in with like a treaty and that the Kree weren't continuing to try to dominate the uh, dominate Xandar. He was bitter about that and he wanted to kill them all because he was a racist bigot. I see. Here, it, we also see other Kree in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? No, it was just him. I At least I'm fairly certain it was just him. Like, he worked for Thanos, too. So there was that whole thing, but... No, wasn't there, like, some Kree and them hunters? Or them, the bounty hunters? I don't remember there being bounty hunter Kree uh, going after him. Or, or no, any of the, the Guardians the of the Galaxy, that, either. Yeah, no, the people that kidnapped um, uh, Star-Lord. Are you talking about, like, when Star-Lord was kidnapped, like, on Earth in 1980? Yeah. That was Those Yondu... People. That was Yondu and the Ravagers. Yondu is not yeah. Kree. Yeah. I swear that there was at least one uh, Ravager that was Kree. You, I, I'm pretty sure you are thinking of Yondu. He's not Kree. He is just also blue. Hmm. Well, the person that he gave the arrow to... Yondu, are, are you saying the person Yondu gave the arrow to? Yeah. Uh, that was Kraglin, I believe. And I'm not mm. sure what race Kraglin is, but, I mean, he's definitely not blue. Um, okay, I he can't could remember. Be a pink Kree. He could be a pink Kree for all I know, but I don't remember that being the case. Um, mm. I'm going to have to look up what race Kraglin is later. No, I'm just I'm just trying to remember scraps of information. Yeah, but regardless, like I feel like the motivations here just don't exist. So that's one of the things where I feel like this movie is a little bit weak. Like honestly, I I, I said it before recording, but I feel like this is the weakest in movie. This is the weakest movie in Phase Three, but it's still just fine like and when the worst movie in an entire phase is just fine you know you've got a pretty good phase on your hands like and like overall i would say my thoughts on this movie are that like this movie had two jobs to perform it had to be the meat in an infinity war sandwich and it also had to be the origin story for captain marvel as the meat in an Infinity War sandwich is bland and tasteless. It's it's disappointing. But as an origin story for Captain Marvel, it's solid. And I, I, I do also like at the end of the movie when like Nick Fury is working on the Protector Initiative, uh, because his whole perspective is that they need a team of heroes to like help fight the battles 
that S.H.I.E.L.D. can't handle, and that Carol also won't be around for because she has prior commitments. Um, so, like, the whole idea is the Protector Initiative. But he notices a picture of Carol and realizes, oh, her nickname was Avenger. That's where the name the Avenger Initiative came from. So, you could argue that Carol was the first Avenger. But then Captain America was from the 40s, so that there was that whole thing. But yeah, that's another aspect to this, is like, Nick Fury would also be reasoning that he could find a team of heroes, not only because they found Carol when they weren't even looking, but the yeah. SSR created Captain America. Though, to be fair, um, I just thought about Captain America is not the first Avenger. He's just the oldest Avenger. Because he didn't become an Avenger until after Iron Man became an Avenger. So technically, he's the first Avenger. Well, technically, Captain America was recruited into the Avenger initiative before Iron Man. Really? Technically, huh. Iron Man only became an Avenger in the Avengers. Um, okay, well, I stand corrected, though, technically, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you remember, there was a whole thing about how they, like, they looked at Tony Stark and determined he was not qualified. Because he was just, like, volatile, self-obsessed, and didn't play well with others. Yeah, and obviously that's why he's not an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Um, so, like, characters that... Who would be the actual first Avenger? Probably actually Black Widow. Hmm. Makes sense. Maybe Black Widow and Hawkeye at the same time, I would imagine, but... Yeah, probably those two. Which is ironic, because they're the ones that don't have any superpowers. <laughs> but yeah, um, Hulk seemingly was brought in around the same time as Iron Man. So Captain America would probably be the third. And Thor, Thor kind of joined up just because like, it was Loki that they were fighting. Yeah, so, you know, Loki is also his responsibility. Yeah, so, and, and that's another wrinkle here, so let's talk about it. Like, Carol gives Fury the pager and says, only use it in case of emergencies. And hmm. that obviously leads fans to ask the question, well, why didn't Fury use the pager in The Avengers or in Avengers Age of Ultron? And simply put, they didn't need Carol for that. They had the Avengers. That was kind of the point. Um, like, the Avengers were more than capable of handling Loki, and they were also more than capable of handling Ultron. It didn't need someone as powerful as Captain Marvel. I mean, it could have been helpful. Just it saying. could have been helpful, but... Like, at the same time, is it truly an emergency worthy of calling her? I don't mm. think it quite re either case quite reaches that point. 
In fact, Nick Fury was confident in Avengers that his team could hold New York. He was confident so much so that he ignored an order from the World Security Council. Hmm. Because they the were going to try to person. like they they were going to try to nuke New York City. That's where the whole I recognize that the council has made it a decision, but given that it's a stupid ass decision, I've elected to ignore it. That's where that line comes from. It is a good line. It is a really good line. But yeah, like there is one thing that I do think is fair to criticize here. Hmm. And this is likely just like the in-universe explanation is that Nick Fury's lying, but it is a fair thing to point out. In the Avengers, Tony Stark and Captain America both independently discover that S.H.I.E.L.D. is using the Tesseract to make weapons. Um, and when they confront Nick Fury about it, um, he says that they were making the weapons because of Thor. Um, and, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. realizing that they were hopelessly and hilariously outgunned. Uh, but obviously, we now know that that was not their first encounter with aliens. Because there was the whole thing with the scrolls and the Kree, everything that happened in this movie. But honestly, like, yeah. that's classified information that the Avengers did not have security level clearance to know about. So, Nick Fury's just lying. That's the in universe explanation. And is I it mean, really that far fetched? I mean, absolutely not. Nick Fury trusts no one. Yeah. Though. Um, I should say that in the, in this movie, while they did know, you know, aliens exist, their weapons, you know, worked. Not like immune, uh, they don't have like immunity to guns or anything. Right. Although the Kree did have much more powerful weapons, as we saw. Yeah. Though it actually didn't see that much of... I don't think Fury saw that much of the Kree. At least, I mean, there was uh, that whole final oh, wait, battle no, he no, was that, present yeah, no, that for. Whole, okay, I remember. Yeah, no. I was uh, limiting my thought. Yeah, no, there was the entirety of uh, when they went up to the space station. Then again, well, though... it wasn't a space station, it was a lab. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, then again, that cat did eat most of the um, um, guys there. It ate a few of them. I don't know where that cat went. <laughs> Who knows? Um... Because we have never seen Goose again um, since this movie. I don't think it has a normal cat lifespan because, well, it just ate things with its, uh, has tentacles in its mouth and ate things. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not a cat. It's a flurkin. 
and I don't know the lifespan of those. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, one of the funny things about this is, like, I saw people complaining about hmm. the CGI when they rocket off into space, like the CGI on the cat. And I'm like, mm -hmm. guys, one, this is an alien cat-like creature. So, for starters, anything looking weird, it doesn't matter. It's, a, it's not a cat. But then the other thing, even humans look fucking weird when they're going through that many G-forces... Yeah. Like, like and I'll be Christ. honest, I um didn't realize it was a CGI cat at first. There were times where it was a real cat and there were times where it was CGI. Um oh. And I think it's like because those... somebody it, the, the, somebody in the cast was allergic to cats. I don't know who, but ah. that's why there was CGI at times. Like, what about when um, it was first introduced? Like, when you first saw I don't the know. cat? Because don't know. I literally was just like, I'm sorry, did a cat just wander on set and everyone was just like, sure, why not? Nah, I think they, they planned on it the entire time. And also, uh, let's remember as well, in, in the context of the story, this is originally, like, Marvel originally owned Goose. So that's why Goose was there, uh, like, on the base yeah. and everything. Um, also, while we're on the topic of CGI, let's talk about the de-aging in this movie. Because it's kind of inconsistent. Uh, they do it really well on Samuel L. Jackson. Unless he's fighting or running. And then when you look at Clark Gregg you start getting some uncanny valley territory. I, I'm sorry, it just made me uncomfortable looking at de-aged Coulson. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit glad he wasn't in the movie for that long. Right. Uh, uh, but for the most part, Samuel L. Jackson looked fine. <laughs> yeah, no, he actually looked a little bit weird to me at first. Because I just couldn't remember what Fury present looked like. But after a little bit of comparison, I was like, oh yeah, this, okay, fine, this just makes sense. Yeah. And also, dude, Samuel L. Jackson's in his 70s. When the fuck did that happen? What the fuck? Yeah. Huh. That's crazy to me. But yeah, where I don't did, know. Where does the time um, go? I, it, it goes somewhere. I think it goes into that necklace that Doctor Strange is wearing all the time. <laughs> but yeah. Damn, I, I, I uh, have to confront him. I want my time back. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway. I don't think there's much more to say about this movie. Oh, yeah, one other thing. Um, the song choices in this movie... Uh, they all seem to be, like, anthem, like, female anthems, I guess you could say. Um, but there's one song that I just hate, uh, and it plays, like, near the end of the movie. It's Just a Girl by No Doubt. I, those of you who know me know that 
Well, uh, okay, you maybe don't know, but I've <laughs> talked about how I don't like No Doubt before and how they're one of my least favorite bands. And Just a Girl is yet another song by them that I don't like. In fact, I've only found one song by them that I do like. I've... I told A for but I'm just gonna reiterate. Um, I tolerate that um, song. I do not like the placement. I don't like the vibe that it creates, especially like after all of the um, heavy things that just came before it. So yeah. Well, see, to me, I disagree with that because what comes before it are scenes showing like. We're we're fl we're going back to all those flashbacks where like Carol failed at doing things and got told, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. But the scenes right, but like what we're finally shown in these flashbacks are scenes of her getting back up. Um, and I feel like it is appropriate here, um, because the the moment here that we're seeing is not about the battle; it's about Carol undoing all of the conditioning she's been through throughout her whole life and coming into her own and being able to st like stand confidently on her own and know that she can do what she wants to do or what she needs to do. Um, I just hate the song. <laughs> I think the placement works. I just don't like the song. I just... Especially I was more focused on the battle, or the stakes, as it were, because the stakes were high. Oh, also, just one thing to point out, this movie made, like, a billion dollars, and, like, loads of pimp people went to see this movie, because Disney basically tricked people into thinking they needed to watch this movie to be able to understand Endgame. Captain Marvel does not play that big of a role in Endgame. She collectively she has less punched? than I would... Oh yeah, she does get punched. I hear so many stories of um, like the crowd cheering when she gets punched. I went to see Avengers Endgame in the theater twice. I have never heard of a crowd who actually cheered when she got punched. And then I get that not only just be fake stories. Not only in my two times of seeing the movie in theaters, and reminder, I live in the South. Um I've watched many audience reactions where like recordings in the theaters were done, and I didn't see people cheering. You know what I did see people cheering at? When she showed up hmm. to save Iron Man, and when she showed up to destroy Thanos' ship. So yeah, probably uh you know, fake. Yeah, um, I, I would say that the stories of audiences cheering when she got punched, they're over-embellished. But I definitely I, heard I those stories. Fake or not, yeah, I heard them people too. wanted to uh, make them. Now, I will say, Captain Marvel's like very existence in the MCU does present some problems. Um, namely, just that she's too powerful. Um, but there are a number of characters who I think can beat her. And that number is three. <laughs> hmm. Those characters being Doctor Strange, Wanda, and Thor. And I think only 
Thor can only beat her because of like where he is now. Like he's he's basically peaking now. So like I, I think at this point Thor could beat her. But at the point where we are at in our current coverage of the MCU on the podcast, no, I don't think Thor could beat her. Hmm. But Though, Wanda, um, Wanda absolutely could. Wanda we blitzed probably, Thanos in Endgame, which we will see. So, I have been noticing something about this recording. And what's that? The fact that we're, like, at an hour now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. I, I totally kind of was predicting that we would go to an hour. But yeah. I wasn't. I mean, there's just a lot to talk about with this movie. Um, I I'm not sure if we talked about the whole thing with, like, the Stan Lee thing. But uh, the logo this time is, like, a bunch of shots of Stan Lee and then, like, it concludes with a thank you, Stan, message um, before the movie starts. And, like, yeah, Stan Lee died just before, uh, a few months before this movie came out. Um, but obviously, filming for this movie concluded, uh, as well as filming for Endgame, were both finished before he died. Or maybe Endgame wasn't quite finished, but it was at least enough done that. He got to have his cameo in Endgame too. Um, yeah, it would like, be nice if it if like this was um, also in Endgame because it's just a bigger movie. I understand that sentiment, but I do think that there are things of, like I do think the Endgame logo has merit as well. There are. There are aspects of the in-game logo that are really cool, and yeah, I think there's... I, I think it's good that the Stan Lee logo was this movie and not Endgame, because the Endgame one actually serves a narrative purpose. I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen the Endgame logo, so this is just my view as someone who has not seen the Endgame logo. Yeah. Um... The, so we also have the actual in-movie cameo, where I find this a little bit interesting. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 previously confirmed that all appearances of Stan Lee in the MCU have been as an informant for the Watchers. Carol walks up to Stan Lee and, like, it's very clear she recognizes him. Hmm. Which, of course, kind of does make sense, because she's been going around doing stuff with the Kree. She's been to multiple different worlds. I don't know, like, it would kind of make sense that she recognized him. I guess Or that she sense. could recognize him. I mean, we've even seen a Stanley cameo that wasn't on Earth. So, yeah. Pretty cool. A uh, little thing there to kind of hint at things, but yeah. That's all I got for today. How about you? I mean, considering that we've already gone for one hour, I think we said everything we could say about this movie. I hope so. We have nearly gone like half of the movie's runtime. <laughs> 
happens sometimes. So yeah, you want to get into critic ratings? Um, I would actually. So, IMDb gives it a 6.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 79%. And 74% of Google users like this movie. 7.1. Wow, that was fast. I mean, I already knew what I was going to give it before we started, um, so. Mm, 7.3. All right. Well, like we said er earlier, join us next week for Inception and Into the Woods. And you can join us next month for Avengers Endgame. Can't believe we're finally here. It's, been, it, it, it's about time, honestly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, until next time, I've been Avery, that's been Lily, and we will be seeing you.